damaged. Okay. And we are live! Episode 5. I've done this again. Where I've not changed the bloody number again on the bloody thing. Uh, episode 5. Well, you know, Opposites Attack, a Premier League podcast. Uh, episode, uh, we're going to call it Congrats Man City. As much as it pains for me to say that, I believe it was, it was a case of uh, inevitability and not, you know... It wasn't going to be. It wasn't going to be any different. It was. We all knew it was inevitable. It's like you know, Terminator, the T one thousand. We all knew it was going to be taking over the world. Uh, so there we are. Okay. So we're going to be going. We've got lots to. We've got lots to cover today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the teams in uh, the British teams in Europe. We're also going to be talking about my uh, my rant, my blog. We've got other Champions Leagues and Europe, uh, Europa League results. We'll just briefly go over those as well, just to keep everyone informed if you didn't know. Because uh, generally, if you don't follow a team, you won't really know what's going on in that world. Um, we're also going to be talking about Ryan's uh, new coaching blog as well for this week. Premier League results, we're going to go in depth into the uh, a few games here. We're going to be going to the Southampton-Chelsea game, the Tottenham-Man City game, and the Newcastle-Arsenal game. Um, briefly going over the... Uh, Manchester United and West Brom games as well and obviously Manchester United played Bournemouth last night so we'll briefly talk about that uh, we're also going to be looking at the Wonder Kid watch um, you'll have to let, you'll have to find out later who that particular person is we're also going to be looking at the Premier League team of the year the shortlistings player of the year and how Pep won the man uh, basically how his team won the Premier League and also, we're going to be going into depth um, with a few statistics as well. As you know, this is super in-depth. So we are going to be releasing this on to uh, FM Teachers' website. So if you want to look at this and peruse it at your leisure and use it for any statistics or information that you want to share off to your friends and pretend like you know everything that is to know about football, then you can do that. That information is on the website and the information will be released at the end or you can see it down below. Uh, we're also going to be, uh, we've got a few questions as well, which we'll answer, and then we'll be checking out our handles to finish. First and foremost, Ryan, how has your week been? How have you been, buddy? The last few days have been, well, the last few days, last two days have been very hot. I spent five, six hours in the sun yesterday, four-ish hours in the sun today. I had an outdoor exam today, doing abseiling. That was wonderful. Um... Coaching at Binley Woods, I had uh, double football for year one and year two with a very lively country school. But life's been uh, very good. I'm loving the uh, sunshine. I've uh, got very bored of the rain and the miserable weather. So I'm glad that the sun is out and I'm not going to complain that I'm burnt because I will go nice and brown and I'll look a lot better than a ghost. Fuck the sun. That's all I'm yes. going to say. Fuck the sun. The sun is melting me and I'm fed up with it. So, uh, moving swiftly on, I've got nothing to say about my week. I've got nothing positive to say about my week. We're going to move, uh, move swiftly on. Uh, we're going to discuss the British teams in Europe first and foremost. And we're going to discuss the Liverpool uh, just total domination over Manchester City in an aggregate of 5-1. Uh, we recorded the... Did we record? No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. Obviously, this is the first time we recorded this week. But we were we were at Brahe we were sort of discussing. We like, oh, you know, what do we think? Do you think you know Man City could maybe pull it off? Do you think Liverpool's going to be in the driving seat? But a five-one win overall, 
uh, of two legs between, uh, you know, probably one of the best attacks in the Premier League and the people that won the Premier League. It was going to be, it was bound to be a, a brilliant game. But 5-1, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, Liverpool reached their first Champions League semi-final for 10 years after coming from behind to win, uh, you know, win at Manchester City and secure an emphatic 5-1 aggregate win. As I said, something that we definitely did not see. City made the perfect start as they tried to reel in a 3-0 deficit from the first leg with Raheem Sterling setting up Gabriel Jesus with a very cool finish only after two minutes uh, but they never recovered from the conscientious incident. Uh, just before halftime, they saw the manager Pep Guardiola sent off. Uh, it was a very interesting, uh, very interesting. I'll tell you what, the fact that they scored within the first two minutes definitely made the game uh, set up to be an interesting one. But it kind of died off after that. Liverpool have reached the semi-final, as you've said, uh, uh, for the first time in, t- uh, well, what was the 10th time they've done it? In 10 years, I like it. You know, those, those lucky number 10s. The only English team to have appeared more are Manchester United with 12. But obviously, Liverpool have won it more times. I say consistency. Consistency. Uh, yes, Liverpool are the first team uh, to beat the side managed by Guardiola three times in a single season. Very interesting statistic there. Um, do you know what the other time was? Was it away or at home for Liverpool? Do you know? This tie was Man City at home. Really? So, okay. And the, and the tie, uh, I believe, I'm going to have a look. All right, have a little look. It was an interesting game. I think, as I said, obviously the fact that they scored within the first couple of minutes really made the game uh, interesting. Unfortunate. Wow, that is a big fuck-off spider in my shed. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, that spider is fucking huge. I'm going to have to... Like, I'm... Wow, he's like right in my peripheral, right? So I'm looking at you right here, and he's literally there. Like, and he's moving back, and he's scaring the shit out of me. Wow, he's, he, no, he like, he, it's like he realised I was pointing at him and shat himself and went behind my hat. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. Yeah, um, do you remember what the other game was? Uh, the other game was... What the By Munich Sevilla. Uh, Juventus. No, no, the other the other game where they beat them three times this season is what I'm saying. When was the other time Liverpool beat Man City? Was it was it away or was it at home in the league? I'm guessing it was the league. Yes, uh, it was at home, I believe. I'm sure Salah scored twice. I'm sure it was 2-1 again. Okay. On the cuff, on the cuff. Right, okay. Um, so we'll discuss the next game. 4-3. Liverpool, Anfield, 4-3. Yes. Salah. Salah scored once. Sane scored once. Firmino scored once. And the Ox chipped in with the goal in the Oh, the cunt. I mean, Ox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, CSK Moscow 2, Arsenal 2. Arsenal win 6-3 on aggregate. Arsenal reached the Europa League semi-finals with a 6-3 aggregate win over CSK Moscow despite a nervy 2-all draw in Russia. And we all discussed that going to Russia is going to be very interesting for the World Cup. We're discussing that and then we kind of overlooked the fact that Arsenal had to go to this country, country, should we call it? I think it's a country. Not sure. Open to discussion on that one. Um, Very, It's just not a very pleasant place to go and play a game of football. Never mind... Uh, you know, making a career out of there. The I remember, I remember the uh, the time when Emmanuel Frimpong, the Arsenal legend, Dench, 
went and played in Russia, and he left because he got fed up with uh, monkey, uh, you know, monkey noises and bananas being thrown at him by his own fans. That's always very good. Russia, great place. Uh, Arsenal's uh, Europa League dream lives on just after uh, a tense night in Moscow and Wenger can still hope for his uh, European his first European trophy with the Gunners obviously uh, the last time we were in a Europa League final was 2006 when Jens Lehmann decided to uh, be the nutty Jens Lehmann that he is and get sent off in the first 20 minutes Sol Campbell putting us ahead uh, 1-0 and then we just fell apart and turned into a pile of shit um very interesting. Uh, Arsene Wenger on BT Sport said, maybe we are a bit surprised uh, surprised by the intensity at the start. After that, we came back. We were get, uh, we were, what was it? Said? We were in trouble in the first half. In the first half, uh, the distance was too big. At 2-1, we looked good to get a 2-all, uh, and we did. They scored the second, had a chance for the third, and it was a good response from us after the break. After moving to a back five, we were more stable and didn't concede as many chances. His English is so fucking bad. Um, their second was from distance, but in the box, we didn't give anything away. We have players who can always score. Once we got to... to I feel like I'm back in primary school and I'm reading one of those books about <laughs> that dog that had a family and shit. Uh, once we got 2-1, it was a big blow for them and they didn't recover. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Gunners reached their first European League, uh, Europa semi-final uh, since 2008-2009 when they did so in the Champions League. Uh, Danny Welbeck's goal uh, took him into double figures for competitions. We all know about Danny Welbeck and how amazing he is. Uh, for the uh, for this season and only the third time in his career. Um, well, yeah, you say that. He's also scored the same amount of goals as Alexis Sanchez this season, so that's all you need to know about that. Welbeck scored in an away Europa uh, Euro uh, European match for the first time since 2013 when he scored for Manchester United against Shakhtar Donetsk, where the amazing Fred plays. Fred is under speculation at the moment uh, for possibly leaving Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, the Brazilian central midfielder... Um, being touted by the uh, the Premier League clubs. I think he's a very solid player. It'd be very interesting to see where he goes with that. Um, what a pile of shit that night was. I'm glad that I missed the game. I'm glad that I was working. Uh, I think everybody thought it was going to be in the bag. But obviously, as we know, that going to Russia in general, never mind Moscow, the capital, was going to be a tough, just a tough night out. Tough night out. Also, we're going to go over the other Champions League and Europa League results. We had uh, Red Bull Salzburg 4, Lazio 1. Uh, but Red Bull 1 on, obviously, so aggregate here, 6-5. 6-5? Okay, cool. Uh, Marseille 5, uh, Leipzig 2, on, uh, Marseille 1, 5-3 uh, on aggregate. Sporting Lisbon 1, Atletico Madrid 0. Uh, Atletico Madrid 1-2-1 on aggregate. It's very interesting, though. The fact that, obviously, Atletico Madrid pretty much kind of scraped it. They all thought they would do the business at Lisbon, but Lisbon winning a 1-0 at home and, and Atletico Madrid kind of scraping through. Everyone on the backs of Arsenal saying, oh, they've just scraped through on a 6-3. Uh, and then, but when they talk about Atletico Madrid, oh, they're going to win the Europa League after they scratch a 2-1 win. Oh, there you go. The bias is there once again, eh? There it is. Yeah, well, you know. Diego Simeone style of play, just that playing. Yeah, that you know, holding that one-nil loss. Yeah, I know, right? Mind blowing. 
Champions League, Roma three, Barcelona nil. That was crazy. Uh, their Twitter blew up for the for the uh, for the first couple of days. That was crazy, crazy. Uh, Bayern Munich nil, Sevilla nil. Uh, Bayern won two uh, one on aggregate, and Real Madrid won Juventus three, and Madrid won four three on aggregate. I definitely didn't see Juventus pulling back like they did. It's very unfortunate, but it looks like they're coming into it. Yeah, it feel it feels like they're going to be. Oh, well, you know, everybody... At the moment, Real Madrid or Barcelona are involved. There's always controversy, isn't there? Uh, very interesting to see that Roma sort of rise above it. I'll tell you what Dzeko's turning into. Just a, he's a beast, isn't he, really, to be honest? Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting uh, Euro- uh, European uh, exploits for all British teams and other teams in- involved, whether it be in the Champions League or the Europa League. So we're going to quickly go into... Uh, well, we've got my rant, and then we'll, we'll do your rant after the Premier League games, maybe. Should we do that? Yeah, let's, let's do that. that. All right, cool. So we'll quickly go over my uh, my blog then. Um, it's called Glutton for Punishment. It's uh, it's a discussion about my uh, sort of first memories of following Arsenal as a young boy. Uh, ever since an early age, the Arsenal was all that I lived for. From 2006 Champions League final against Barcelona, obviously we discussed this earlier, uh, when Lehman got sent off and Campbell put us ahead, then throwing the game away. To the League Cup final against Birmingham 2011, where a defensive error cost us for the first trophy since 2005 in the FA Cup. It's unlike Arsenal to have a defensive error, hey? All the way to the amazing 3-2 win over Hull in 2014 for the first trophy since 2005. I lost my mind. Never knew we would win the competition three times in four years. Now, Arsenal hold the most amount of FA Cups in English history. And the FA Cup being the longest standing trophy in world football. What a feat that is. Growing up in North London, you only really had a few op- uh, options of teams to follow. Spurs, of course, are there. My Uncle Joe used to take me to the games before I knew the rivalry. But it never hit home for me. I knew that the silky smooth football of the Arsenal was calling. Uh, the, and the calling was just too strong to pass up. Not to mention pretty much that the rest of my family are Arsenal. Red being my favourite colour at the time, it made sense. I get this asked a lot when doing my old Arsenal podcast. What was my first memory of the Arsenal? My answer is, it was the early 90s. I was a small boy. Very small boy. A lot smaller than I am. Like, height-wise and maybe width-wise, too. Playing football in the car park of Highbury, just kicking the ball around while waiting for my father to finish the game in the underground secret AstroTurf pitch underneath Highbury. Not many people knew about the... Uh, the underground training pitch underneath Highbury. When all of a sudden, Adam Seaman and a few other players came down the spiral stairs that basically went out into the car park. Uh, my dad loses his mind, grabs the ball that I was using, gives it for them all to sign. I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, I then get given the ball back, covered in famous football players' names. I had no idea who they were, so I put the ball back on the ground and carried on playing football. My father was definitely not happy. All of this and all that will be when it comes to the Arsenal, I will always follow them through thick and thin. Going through the worst two years of Arsenal history in the last 20 years, Wenger, his time has come. We know this, but I'll always be around for Arsenal. You could say I'm a glutton for punishment or I'm into BDSM. That's for definitely sure. Um, so, yeah, that's my uh, my blog for uh, for this week. Obviously, I'll be writing a new one uh, for next week. I have no idea what I'm going to write about. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, we're going to be discussing Ryan's blog uh, very shortly. Uh, we're going to be discussing the Premier League results. So, first off, uh, we've got Southampton 2, Chelsea 3. Giroud coming on to basically championing the game like Jesus Christ. Um, I don't think you mentioned anything here uh, about Olivier Giroud. No. Okay, so uh, I know that Olivier Giroud pretty much came on and just dominated and done the business, um, dropping deep, 
um, collecting the ball and interlinking the play like he does. Um, as I've said, uh, losing him at Arsenal was, it, you know, cut me deeper than losing that prick who is obsessed with his dogs. He's such a twat. Um, Chelsea manager uh, Antonio Conte says his team showed uh, the, the right fire in our eyes. Wow, what wording to use. As they mounted a remarkable comeback from 2-0 down to win at Southampton. What did you make of the game, Ryan, overall? What did you make of Olivier Giroud's sub, super sub performance? It's typical Olivier Giroud, isn't it? Like, it's the type of player that Antonio Conte wanted to go out and buy. I think he must have been screaming at the door of the Chelsea director to go, I want to buy a player that I actually want. I can't see Conte being there next season, but but that's his that's probably going to be his final transfer and probably one of his best transfers for Chelsea for his style of play. Yeah. To come on and to change the game for Chelsea, considering they were 2 0 down against Southampton, who are scrapping and fighting to try and get out of that relegation zone. It's going to be very tricky down there because it's fairly tight. To come on and just completely wipe them off the park and score the goals that he did and shook Southampton up. Yep. You must have been like, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Sure. Uh, so, uh, I was uh, basically, he, he goes on to say, I was very angry from our first half, obviously going 2-0 down to a relegation wary Southampton. Uh, in the second half, we showed great character, great determination and desire to win the game. Well, we showed the right fire in our eyes. There's that line again. What a beautiful line that is. The right fire. I don't even know that fucking... The right fire as opposed to the wrong fire in our eyes. Like, just the fire in our eyes in general is pretty good. But the right fire? I don't know. Um, Chelsea's victory, thanks to three goals in uh, eight second half minutes, uh, kept alive their faint hopes of top four finishing the Premier League. They're not going to make top four, but yeah, that's, that's great. Um, uh, a few other games here we are as well. We've got Burnley 2, Leicester 1, Crystal Palace 3, Brighton 2, Huddersfield 1, Watford 0. I definitely didn't see that one coming. I thought Watford would do the business there over Huddersfield. Swansea 1, Everton 1. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Everton at the moment. Uh, I thought they were picking themselves up a little bit. Maybe, you know, as I said, I remember I remember discussing it, saying this might be the drive uh, to really catapult themselves when they they pretty, you know, performed pretty well against a pretty rampant Liverpool side with a nil-nil draw. I thought that they could maybe convert that and maybe get some results, but clearly that was not the case. Uh, Liverpool 3, Bournemouth 0, pretty much a, a standard day in the office for them. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go into the uh, Tottenham 1, Man City 3 game where... Uh, it looked like they were going to win the league. Obviously, later on, they ended up winning the league, but uh, due to the just retarded us from uh, Manchester United. So, uh, Gabriel Jesus had put City ahead in the 22nd minute, racing into Vincent Company's long ball and sliding a low shot past Hugo Lloris. Uh, what did you make of the goal? And uh, what an interesting game. 3-1 as well at Wembley. Obviously, every Tottenham fan saying it's their home ground. It's not. Uh, and you can't take any uh, seating statistics from that ground either. Just going to put that one out there right now. Uh, so yeah, what did you what did you make of the game? First goal, uh, Gabriel Jesus once again proving that he can do the business. Well, he can. It's um, it's one of those goals where you don't think of Pep and think of Vincent Company coming from the back and hoofing it right up to the forward. But 
think Pep's realised that you can't just play that pass, 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 pass game throughout the whole of the Premier League, which, I mean, there are some amazing statistics of how possession has helped them this year but that we'll discuss later. But it's one of those goals that you don't imagine from Man City and probably takes teams by surprise. And Gabriel Jesus, a very, very good replacement for Aguero, whatever happens to him in the future, whether he move on or whether he just sees out his contract, like he said at Man City, and then he goes back to um, what's the team he came from in Argentina? Says, says he's going to go back there and then he'll stay there until he retires. Ah, don't see that happening. A very, a very, a very young player and a very good player to replace Sergio Aguero. And Good shout. They've obviously got quite a few players, obviously Sané as well, up there and Sterling doing the business this season. Gabriel Jesus will be up there with a lot more goals. That's for sure. continue playing the way they do. That is for sure. Uh, just three minutes later, the uh, France goalkeeper, Hugo Lloris, concedes a penalty with a studs-up challenge on Sterling. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw the replays of that. That was outside of the penalty box, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, it was outside of the penalty box. Uh, once again, uh, referees giving the decision to Manchester City. Uh, as you say here, although uh, replays suggest it was outside the area, uh, Gundogan converted from the spot to double City's lead. Very interesting to see that Gundogan is uh, taking the sort of mantle of being the penalty taker of the club. Um, a, a very heavily injury-prone player when he first came to the club, um, before that as well. Uh, do you think it's uh, you think the best days of football for him is going to be ahead of him now? Yeah, I mean, he's found his place. I mean, traditionally, I used to watch quite a lot of Dortmund when he was there, and he was more that he used to sit in front of the back four and just shut all up the new Cavalero role that sure. we have in football manager role, like a, I don't know, like a Kante, but doesn't or like a Carrick, like a crab, yeah, like, like a crab shuttler. Just sits in front. Now he's traditionally playing like I don't know what sort of role you describe it because it's not really box to box but it's he's very he's much further forward than he offers that attacking impetus and he also offers the odd goal like he did against Man United with that absolutely amazing turn and now he's deciding that well I'm not sure he's decided it's probably a whole club thing that he's now taking penalties for Man City when you've got the likes of Aguero, Sane and uh, Kevin De Bruyne who quite easily take penalties themselves this is what i mean this is uh, it's quite an interesting thing Good that he's taking the ones yeah quite interesting against uh, the run of play christian erickson halved the deficit latching onto harry kane's through ball his shot ricochets off laporte and back off the dane in past edison um i think we all thought at this particular point that the game was going to be pretty much on at that you know at that time we, I, I, I definitely thought that it was going to be an equaliser from, uh, from Tottenham. I think it was going to go in at two all at least. But he's come to the Premier League, and a lot of football manager fans will know him. And I think FIFA fans may know him this year because he's quite good on that game. I think this year. Yeah, let's be honest here. People that play FIFA would have never heard of Laporte until he made the move to Manchester City. I'm yeah, going to be completely he, honest. Nobody had heard. Nobody had ever heard of Atletico Bilbao um, and their and their transfer policy. No, sure. Football manager fans have known him for years, and I love uh, Atletico Bilbao. I love the fact that they only sign players from the Basque area. I think that's a great little policy. He will be a good player, but he's showing that he's come from he's, that yeah. Spanish league and he needs that bit of like oomph about him. Just well, look, yeah, well, John Stones. Where, where has John Stones gone saying that, actually? Where the hell has John Stones gone? Look, 
look who he's got next to him. Like he's got Vincent Company at the club, who's an absolute monster. Yeah. So, well, for, for however long we don't know. I think it's going to be turning it. I think it's going to turn into a Ledley King situation with uh, with him. I think he's going to be playing. A, he's going to be a bit part player for the next few seasons. This is it. This is it. That's exactly what Ledley King did for Spurs. He didn't really train, but he played and he did pretty well. Despite Man City completely dominating the first half, there were some nervy moments as Tottenham got back into the match until Raheem Sterling scored City's decisive third goal. Once again, the guy that I discussed before saying that uh, speculation, obviously, at the start of the season, halfway through the season, that Alexis Sanchez was going to make the move to the blue side of Manchester to basically replace Raheem Sterling. Do you think it was that speculation that drove him forward to become the force that he is today in a, a Man City side that everybody thought that he didn't deserve to be in? Or do you think this is just a sign of things to come for the next few years? Well, I would hope from, from an England perspective that it's a sign of things to come because he sure. gets played in that sort of role now for England. Yeah, but I reckon it's probably like a mixture of Pep who shows a lot of belief in players that get like riddled by the media saying well, he's not good enough. Pep will, I think, just go amongst himself and he will prove that the player is good enough. And look at Sterling, he's come out and scored 20-plus goals this season. Let's hope that's a sign of things to come for England. You can do it for Man City, just don't do it against Man United and Arsenal for your sake, Deacon. Sure, sure. Definitely right there. Uh, <laughs> Pochettino told BBC Sport, in the end, if we analyse the game, they fully deserve the victory. And water is wet. That's not what he said, but I feel like that's what <laughs> needs to be said. We struggled to start in the game uh, when we conceded the penalty. We started to play. For sure, they're going to win the league, but I'm disappointed that we didn't compete in the first 25 minutes. It's like they didn't turn up. In football, you always want to compete and win. Water is wet. We feel that we are close, but not close enough. We still need to improve and reach the last level, which is becoming the most difficult thing. Pep Guardiola said as well to BBC Sports, I said uh, to my staff after 10 to 15 minutes, after today, we'll be become champions. After the last week to come here and play like we did, we will be champions. Water is wet. In the past week uh, with Manchester United and Liverpool, obviously, uh, maybe it was not easy for the players, but we were good and we created chances in the second half to score more goals. So we're happy. We will try hard to be champions in front of our fans at the Etihad Stadium. Wow. Yeah, well, obviously he was completely incorrect. He wasn't the champions uh, that day. Um, it took the, was it another day at least for them to become the champions, I believe? Yeah. This was the game that was on the Saturday. They became champions on the Sunday. Um, but, uh, you know, fair dues. We all knew it was going to happen. Congratulations to Manchester City and your fans. Uh, you won the league and very convincingly, very, very convincingly. But I see Man City becoming a bit of a, uh, a PSG. I, they're, they're, they're clearly struggling in Europe. I'm not, I'm not sure as to why either, to be honest. But obviously, domestically, they're doing the business. So we'll go on to the next game then. Newcastle 2, Arsenal 1. What a shit show that was. Arsene Wenger boss, uh, Arsenal boss here, Arsene Wenger said that his side's 2-1 to Newcastle was the story of our season. Seasons, plural, two seasons. As their terrible away league record continued. The, apparently, 
I've not looked into it, but this is all I've read on social, that uh, we failed to win an away game this season, uh, in the second half, like this year. Um, this was another dire away performance from Arsenal, for whom who have only uh, the only way to save their season will be win the Europa League and secure automatic Champions League qualification. Early signs looked good, but they were let down by defensive mistakes with a back four that, that, that was theirs for the taking. Mustafi, as I've mentioned this many, many times before, the guy is completely useless. He wanted to leave in the summer for Inter Milan. Leave. Just go. But saying that, he did play, obviously, uh, a couple of players uh, to note here. Obviously, Joe Willock making uh, his Premier League debut. Very shortly after, Reese Nelson making his Premier League debut as well. Signs that maybe things are going to be turning around and there's going to be competition for places. I'm not sure. Joe Willock's a good player as is Reese Nelson, but I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is probably going to be uh, the top of the brunch there, that's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, Joe Willock here with Hart, whilst Het to Bellerin wasn't in the squad. Uh, wow. Joe Willock was born in 1999. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, so he was the fourth player who was born after Arsene Wenger's first match in charge to make a Premier League appearance, uh, whilst Maitland-Niles, Reese Nelson and Eddie Enketia are the other ones there. Uh, Willock was the 56th teenager to make a Premier League appearance for Arsenal. The most of any Premier League team, six more than Chelsea, Manchester United, 50 each. Everybody gets on the back of Arsenal fans saying that they don't give... I don't know where they get this from, but they, they basically say that uh, Arsenal don't give games to younger players. And... Ainsley McNanars, Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah and Joe Willock. They're all English. Shock. Um, what do you make of Arsenal's policy and the fact that they are still bringing in English youth players through the squad, even though sometimes to the detriment of the club? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a policy that's got to take into effect in every, every club in England because we know the English national team are not very good at tournaments. I think I'm sure I read today they haven't won a knockout game since I can't remember when. It's been quite a long time. So start bringing these players through. Arsenal have brought through 56. I didn't think that they would be at the top. I'd have thought Man United would have been at the top. But the trouble is, like Man United, they had that team of 99 that had loads of English players. Arsenal bringing through players, and it just seems to fall under the radar because when do they get played after that? Nate, Nate Lennon-Niles is still in the team. Eddie and Kate, has he played much this season? He scored two goals against Norwich. He came on as he came on, and as he ran onto the pitch, he scored a header, and he won the game for us yeah. single-handedly, yeah. scoring two goals. Yeah, you just get these young players that come in. Nate Lennon-Niles has appeared like, quite a lot this season. I will put that out there. Nate yeah. niles has appeared a lot. He's appeared a lot, but then they just—they seem to like disappear again. It's like clubs. Well, because well, because players come back into full fitness, and the, you know the the first team player deserves. They throw they throw these teams they throw these players in. If they're good enough, they're old enough. Why not go out and play them? Yeah. The media get hold of that and they go, well, look, this 18-year-old English player is going to play. Maybe England does have a future with all these sorts of players. Then sure. they disappear, and the media go. Oh, the England team aren't very good, but then they don't realise that these players have just gone and they've not. You can't. It's it, you see. You well, look at the, um, 
Look at the James Wilson situation at Man United. When he came in, it was yeah. fantastic. We've got another striker for England. And yeah. He's turned out to be not very good. Oh, the English media have got a history of doing it. You know, obviously, Arsenal buys here. They've done it to Jack Wilshere and Theo Walcott. I'm very, as I said, I'm very glad that Alex Awobi didn't go down that route. He ended up choosing Nigeria as his... his uh, is in international side uh, to get a, to get yeah to get away from the fact that uh, England do that the English media do that to their players they literally ruin them but the English media are wankers so uh, that's just uh, that's just my opinion there uh, maybe not the opinion of the podcast but definitely my opinion they're all cunts. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Yang getting the assist there for, for Lacazette to make it 1-0 uh, very early on in the game. I think it was like the 14th minute. Uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang linking up. Do you see a future for these two up top? Oh, incredible. I mean, Lacazette, probably not known by a lot of people for his pace, but you've got two pacey players at front there. Like Aubameyang, yeah. absolute lightning, who can provide those assists and they, they can both score goals. Uh, Arsene Wenger, I think I'm sure you said that he didn't want Lacazette, but if they can form a partnership and start banging in the goals, why not put them up top? Exactly. It's, it's a frightening partnership if they can start linking up and running at players with the ball, playing the through balls and letting them run onto it. That's quite terrifying for some teams. Very much so. Very much so. It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Matt Ritchie uh, scores the Newcastle winner in the 68th minute. I remember seeing the alert on my phone and just losing the will to live at this point. I think I was having a barbecue, the first barbecue of the, uh, of the year on Sunday. Uh, it was very fiery. Yeah, it was, it was very fiery. We, but if you if you don't know, guys, uh, check my Instagram at Just Eakin. You'll be able to see uh, the fiery picture. So we basically bought a drinks cooler, a massive drinks cooler, put four loads of charcoal in, four pre-made bags of charcoal lit the entire thing up with uh the little sachets the lighter sachets lighter gel and then uh an entire box of matches and then just basically lit it up and it turned into a massive fire we put the grill from the oven onto the top of it and started cooking it was it was very funny and then we went and saw uh ready player one in the cinema um i'd wish that i hadn't read the book before I went and saw the film. I wish that I saw the film and then read the book because I was disappointed from the film. I'm a huge gamer, always have been. Uh, the 80s nostalgia in the film is... They always miss things out. They miss things out. The fucking... If there was a percentage, it wouldn't make the graph of how much they followed the storyline from the book. It was fucking poor. So... So... Yeah, it's so poor. I wish... I wish I hadn't read the book. I wish... I wish I'd watched the film and then read the book, but I'm obsessed with the book and I dislike the film. To an extent, it's a great action film, but they don't follow the storyline, like, fucking at all. It's so bad. Oh, my God. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, so, yeah, when I got the notification of Matt Ritchie scoring the winner in the 68th minute, I kind of uh, sighed, a big sigh in, in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of public and then put my phone back into my pocket uh, as they came back from a 1-0, uh, you know, to beat the Gunners, but all pretty much to secure their Premier League future, passing the 40-point 40, 40 mark. Um, I, I I think it was pretty much like a guarantee. I didn't see Newcastle getting relegated this season. They've, You know, it happens to them quite a lot. It would have been great to see them get relegated to hopefully try and dislodge uh, Mike Ashley from the, uh, from the top of the table. Uh, but, uh, you know, fair play to Newcastle. They've done the business. And uh, I pre yeah, um, Perez once again getting on the score sheet to equalise 
And then obviously Matt Ritchie going on to score the winner in the 68th minute. Uh, Wenger said that his players are physically suffering uh, in the second half after a three-day turnaround from a trip to Russia, and this has been a, a massive weight on his team. When you've got to take into consideration, I'll tell you what, when I come back from holiday, I've been resting for a week, I'll come back from holiday, right? Like, travelling to the airport, flying, travelling in and then travelling home from the airport, I'm dead for like a day or two. Like, dead, and I've been resting for a week. And these guys have played a game of football, travelled, and then played another game of football within three days. People don't take that into consideration. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, his side uh, were hampered with defensive mistakes. Jesus Christ, water is wet. Um, and uh, basically, and what was it? The bar and the opening 30 minutes bar, they lacked an attacking threat in the rest of the game. Yeah, we, we scored in the first 14, like the 14th minute we scored, and then we kind of just teetered off. It was terrible. Uh, we, do, we didn't put away our chances. We didn't put the chances away, you know, uh, or put them to bed and made unbelievable mistakes. It's been the story of our season. 70% possession, 1-0, lots of chances, and then you wonder how you lose the game. These players are quality, and we need to forget about today and focus on the next game. We have to be realistic. We've come out uh, with no points, but overall we thought we should have got three. Fucking gee. When you believe you should have got three points and whether you've got three points is two very different things, Benga. Let me just put that one out there to you now. Uh, I think we are safe with 41 points. Uh, Rafa Benita goes on. Uh, it's a massive achievement for the players, the city and the fans. I want to congratulate everyone. Today, we didn't play amazing football because we played an amazing team. Uh, you have to manage how you play and compete for the win. Wow. Benitez doing, uh, you know, playing st uh, strats against another team. Venga, maybe take some something out of fucking Benitez's book here and maybe play against the team that you're supposed to be playing against with, you know, strats and ideas and ways that you can go about it. To try and beat the team that you're playing against and not just go, boys, go out there, have fun, see you later, I'll see you in 90 minutes or whatever. But yeah, uh, overall, very, very poor game. Um, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Did you see it coming? Did you, did you see the loss coming? Well, not really, no, but then Newcastle are a team that they love a good fight and they've been in and around, like, in the media going, oh, Newcastle could get relegated and they, they've just proved themselves this season that they're not going down. They've got to that 40-point margin, which is supposedly the OK margin. Statistics probably say it's around about 36, 37. I'm sure I read something not that long ago. But, I mean, they're Bangway in the middle of the table in 10th, so there's not a chance they're going down. They just need to change their background of the scope, uh, scope of the club. Mike Ashley needs to walk out the door and sell the club and let the passion come back to Newcastle. That's uh, for damn right. Uh, Bam920, welcome uh, to the stream, buddy. What did you guys think of the Rome beating Barcelona? As I said, I definitely didn't see that one coming. I'm trying to find a tweet that the uh, Roma English uh, Twitter chucked out. And I want to see if I can find it. They did some really good viral tweets today that, that completely blew up. But there was one of them that I uh, especially liked. And I'm trying to find it now. Uh, so I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to find this particular tweet. Um, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Um, I'm trying to find this tweet. I can't. I cannot see it for the life of me. Hold on. Oh, that's not it. Oh, I'm just going back here, and I'm losing the will to live. Uh, I have no idea where it is. Basically, the premise of the tweet was: uh, if you went on to 
uh, Roma's English Twitter, they released a, a sequence of tweets. Uh, one of them was a series of just jumbled letters when they had won the Champions League and it got like 700,000 likes. It was a crazy, crazy tweet. And I just can't find it now. I literally, I'm going through and I cannot find it for the life of me. This is insane. Oh, no, here we go. Oh, no, here we go. I'm on the day when they uh, when they won. Okay. Uh, one of the other tweets they said was, we might be selling these in a few, uh, in the next few months or nine months, sorry, uh, was pictures of uh, Roma bibs and little baby kits and stuff, which was quite funny. I thought that was pretty kind of pretty funny there um but trying to find the main tweet hold the phone for just a second uh there it is uh there it is there it goes okay cool uh they put in uh d a j and then like a sequence of like 20 e's e i f e f e f b e j f w j o f and you it just literally just goes on and on and on uh, yeah, oh wait, no, they got, so it's, it was 182,000 retweets and 321 likes. It was, sorry, 1,000, 321,000 likes. It was crazy. It was, it was a crazy tweet and it just beat every one of the other tweets that they ever made. I thought that was really, really funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, what an amazing game that was. I, as I said, we definitely didn't see that one coming. Uh, going back to the Premier League, though, uh, Manchester United nil, West Brom won. This was the game that basically handed it to Manchester City. Uh, a 1-0 win from uh, from West Brom, as, as we said. Manchester United, uh, Jose Mourinho said his players were masses in complication after their defeat by bottom side West Brom at Old Trafford. Um, who scored for West Brom? Was it... Uh... Higazi. Yes, and him. He, he was the one who put the ball in the back of. From a corner. Right. I don't understand. How can you go from one week, like having yeah. shit first half against Man City, sure. to coming out and turning it around to win three-two, to then come against West Brom and I don't know if Jose Mourinho goes, oh, we played well against Man City, we came back. Let's go back to the old defensive methods and start pitter pattering the ball around in our own half and fucking around with it. And it's West Brom, they're bottom of the league. Go out there and score five goals against them because it's possible. But Man United, from what I can remember, always end up losing at least one time in the season to a team at the bottom of the league, like Wolves. I think we've lost to them numerous times when they're at the bottom. I'm sure we lost to Derby when they had that horrendous season when they came to the Premier League. Yeah. It's like an omen for Man United to lose <laughs> to the bottom of the league. It's just something that has to happen. And this of course. game was absolutely horrendous. Sure. West, West Brom probably not deservedly picking up the win, but they came away with the win and they Man United just gifted Man City the title when they delayed it. They then delayed them for winning it the previous week. So well done, Fair play. Well done. Uh, Brighton won, Tottenham won. That's definitely another an, an, another result that I didn't definitely didn't see coming. And then we got uh, last night as well. We had a, a very early game of Bournemouth nil, Manchester United two, with uh, the little douchebag Lingard getting an assist and a goal, I believe. Uh, it was uh, Lukaku and Smalling with the goal. It was Lingard with the assist. 
Oh right, I thought like li I thought oh, okay, I thought Lingard scored a goal. Yeah, right, so Lingard was... is, I don't know, the media just seem to be all over Lingard. Oh, it's, it's once again another English talent, and they're all fucking all over him. Uh, Manchester United's professional, okay. Two one uh, two nil win at Bournemouth proved that the players want to feature in Sunday, Saturday's FA Cup semi final with Tottenham, according to manager Jose Mourinho. Uh, it's very interesting. Obviously, they have got the semi final in the FA Cup against Tottenham. That's going to be a very interesting game to watch. A very they interesting do. game. And there were like I think there were seven there were seven changes in the Bournemouth game compared to the West Brom game. So interesting to see what team. Yeah, them. yeah. What a, what a turnaround. Yeah, what a turnaround that is. What a! Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we lost to Tottenham last time we played them. So yeah. Interesting. To okay. See what happens? In we will see what happens. Obviously, obviously, I'm hoping for a win, but I'm uh, apprehensive at the moment. No, sure, sure. We, we shall see. We shall see. We, we shall. Okay, cool. Right, let's go to Wonder Kid Watch and the player to talk about this week. Is none other than uh, the guy that's under speculation to be the oh there it oh that's all that's not that's Sorry, not football manager. Yeah. There we go, there we go, there he is, Ryan Sessignon, who's got the wonkiest eyes I've ever seen. <laughs> um, just putting that on there right now. Obviously, everyone's talking about him at the moment. Uh, the fact that he is going to be possibly the young player of the year in the championship, which is. You know, pretty much unheard of. Uh, we were talking about it just before the podcast had started, and we were deciding who was going to be the Wonder Kid watch. And it was we thought Ryan Sessignon from Fulham, the seventeen-year-old. Um, he's got uh, he's got no youth caps. Has he got no youth caps? This is on the FM at the very very start. He, I believe he has got some FM FM some youth caps now. Okay, okay. He's only on eight grand a week. All right, cool. Uh, he's five foot ten. Uh, weighs uh, well, I say only eight grand. Obviously, that's like four and a half grand he gets in his pocket each week, which is pretty nice. Um, he plays pretty much predominantly down there. I love it that he can. I love that. That's so funny. He can play left back, but he can't play left wing back. But he can play left mid and attacking left mid uh, perfectly, but can't play left wing back. That's cracked me up. That make that would make sense for me. That would literally make sense for me. But there we are. Um, yeah. So what we were saying? Sorry. Look at me in real life. I'm sorry. These stats have to be updated. No, sure. As we were saying um, before we started the podcast, we were discussing uh, which particular player we wanted to be looking at with Wonder Kid Watch. And uh, this player here, it's all fuzzing out because uh, Ryan's internet is uh, a pile of garbage. So I'm trying to read these. Ah, here we go. So crossing 15, dribbling 12, finishing 12, which is quite interesting. Obviously, he scored, uh, uh, you know, uh, quite a few goals uh, this season for Fulham and getting them out some some sticky. Ah, oh, what are you doing? Why are you bringing that Sorry. up? <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's so unprofessional. Uh, first touch 10. Uh, some other stats here: long shots 10, passing 12, technique 15. It's very interesting to see that his marking and his tackling are both nine. For a, for a defensive-esque player, that's not brilliant. Uh, composure, 14. So he's very composed for, for a young man. He's predominantly left-footed. Uh, he's classed as a winger here, even though he plays wing-back. He's uh, my kind of player. Always turning attacking wingers and defensive wingers. Um, he's off the boys, uh, 13. Flair, 14. Determination, 13. That's not too bad. Teamwork, 12. Work rate, 12. 
His physicals are very, very good, um, but that's what you would expect from a 17-year-old. Acceleration and agility, 15. Pace, 15. Stamina, 16. And balance, 13. Natural fitness is 17. Also, strength is only 8. Um, but uh, do you... Obviously, we want to discuss, do you see him making the jump to the Premier League? Do, or do you think that Fulham might get promoted via playoffs, maybe, um, and then going to the Premier League? If so, do you think he'll stay in Fulham? Or do you think he'll make the move to a uh, another possible Premier League destination? I reckon if Fulham don't go up, I think he's definitely on the move. If they go up, I would like him to stay at Fulham because he's guaranteed the game time every week, like he is at Fulham now. Yep. I don't know because I don't know what sort of player he is. Like, is he that egotistical player that will, as soon as the team goes, yep, yeah, we're going in for him, and he'll turn around to Fulham and go, "I'm off, see ya," because Man United are coming in for me or Man City are coming in for me. I don't know if he's that type of player. What he reminds me of is a very young Gareth Bale. I think you remember. Years oh ago, yeah. Bale was was a left back at Southampton. Yeah. As, as he went on, he moved forward to left midfield, left wing. Now he's playing like behind the striker on the right as an inside forward. So maybe that's the sort of role that Sessegnon will be taking on. And he's taking it on very early because he's 18, I believe, now. Yeah, 18. Now. Yep, he's 18. Well, so maybe that's the sort of role that we can... No, 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 he's not 18 yet. He's not 18 yet. No, he's not. No, no, no. Like 18, 18 for the fifth. Um, so he's that's May. So yeah, he's 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 gonna be. So next month he's gonna be he's gonna be eighteen next month. He's still seventeen years old, which is crazy to think about. Uh, live score here: Chelsea one, Burnley nil. Uh, I'm going to have a little quick look on this. Uh, oh, long with uh, an own goal. He's hoping for. Uh... Hoping for Olivier Giroud with a goal. Olivier Giroud. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't. It was an own goal. But uh, can you change it away from foot manager, buddy? Yes, I can. Thank you. He's still learning. He's still learning. He's still learning. Uh, okay, cool. Right, so that was the uh, Wonder Kid Watch, the FM Wonder Kid Watch. Ryan Sessignon, we're very interested to see where he might go. Um, quickly, though, who do you think... What team do you think he would fit in if he did leave? What team do you think he'd fit in if he did leave? Oh, I'm, t I'm putting you in. I'm putting you in it there, aren't I? Yeah, see, a lot of people are linking with like Man United, but the way he is playing. Oh, like, don't please don't take another English left back and ruin him. That's, that's, that's what I don't think he would be a left back. Like at the moment he's oh no, like just please don't. Role, but I no, don't. Please don't ruin another I one. I, would, I, I wouldn't want him to come to Man United to be ruined. <sighs> I don't so, think anybody would. I would. I don't know. Because uh, Liverpool have got Robertson at the moment, whose like, form has just come out of nowhere. Yep. Man City have spent £50 million on a left-back in the summer who got injured, so he's expected to come back and play next season. Yeah. Arsenal? Would you would you take him at the Arsenal as a as a wing back? Well, he'd fit with a wing back because that's what we do. Um he'd have to battle with Kolasinac though, but he's I don't know, he's obviously it's only been a it's his first season at the club. 
Mm. It would be quite harsh to do that side. So, yeah, I don't think he would make the move. And Monreal and, still and got the... Tottenham. Tottenham, if Man United go after um, Danny Rose, which has been the story that's going on for mm. ever, then maybe, I don't know, maybe he could fit in with a Tottenham, but... Maybe, Tottenham, maybe. Are they, are they going to win anything? Tottenham? Are they going to win anything, though? That's the thing. They've not exactly got a history of winning a lot, and also uh, money constraints that are going to be coming in possibly for them might hinder their chances price is automatically inflated that's it that's exactly right okay so moving on we're going to be discussing the premier league team of the year so we'll start from the back and make our way forward i'm pretty sure this was the team of the year that was voted by the fans is this, is this correct this is the or is this the official PFA. is this the pf is this okay all right um so in goal de gea um, so what we'll do is we'll go through each player and then we'll say yay or nay to whether we believe that's correct. So, De Gea. Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, Walker, right back. No. Really? Okay, so I'll oh, come on then. So come on then. Who is, uh, who is the right back? So this is, I, I don't like him there. Right. And I couldn't think of who else would go there. Like, For crying like, Everyone would think like Antonio Valencia. But no. I don't know. Walker just doesn't. It doesn't fit out to me, is it? He doesn't stand out. But sometimes the play, the defensive players that don't stand out and just get things done, are generally the good players. No. Mm. Like Otamendi, um, we were all shocked with his passing statistics, yeah. and the fact that he's in yeah. the team. Speaking of Otamendi, <laughs> he is there. Um, I'm. I believe Walker should be there. I believe Otamendi should be there. Um, you know, what I mean, speaking from an Arsenal bias, Bellerin would never get into the, t uh, the the Premier League team of the year. That's for damn freaking sure. And none of the Arsenal defenders should be anywhere near this team. Hence the reason why it's Otamendi. So Otamendi, yeah or nay? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Vertonghen, yeah or nay? Y yeah. There's nobody else. That's the thing. Like you know, once again, it's that situation of I can't think of any instances of Vertonghen maybe putting a foot wrong, but then that's exactly what you want. Uh, mm -hmm. Marcus Alonso, left back. Interesting. Uh, what are you, yay or nay on that one? And if it's a nay, give me an example of someone else who should be. Uh, I would go yes <laughs> for across the whole season. Okay. No, for current form, I'm, I've been All right. looking at um, Robertson from Liverpool because his form has just come out of nowhere. Robertson from Liverpool. Oh, yeah, no. And then you've got uh, Trent Alexander as well for right back. Um, he's just coming out of nowhere as well, isn't he? Um, midfield then, uh, we've got De Silva. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a yay. Uh, Ericsson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and De Bruyne. Yeah. No question. No question. And the top three consists of a Liverpool, Tottenham, Man City strike force. Uh, Salah, Kane and Aguero. Uh, the sound of that strike force scares the shit out of me. Uh, so Salah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, Kane, yeah. Yeah. No-brainer. No-brainer. Aguero, though. Aguero. What do you make of Aguero? Is he now at the age where he might want to not move on but maybe play less game role. yeah, yeah. Um, 
could you think of anybody that can maybe, just to spice things up, could you think of any strikers that can maybe squeeze in uh, above Aguero? How many goals has Aguero scored for this Premier League uh, season? Do you want to find out sure, for me? I'm sure it's still over 20. Still over 20. That's an amazing feat considering the guy is pretty much like injured all of the time. That's the thing. Even oh, though man. he gets injured, he still he's scores shooting, goals. He? Yeah, he still... He still... Um, this is top goal scorers of all time. I don't want that, BBC. No, we don't want that. He's got, he's got, he's got 21 goals this season. In all uh, competitions? In the Premier League. Jesus. That is a crazy amount of goals. He's four goals away from Harry Kane. Well, no, he's like five goals away from now from Harry Kane or whatever. That is crazy. Oh, my God. And he's like always injured. Imagine if he was fresh and fit and ready to rumble. Uh, wow. That would be a, a scary, uh, scary to watch. I'm very interested to see, obviously, Pierre, you know, obviously the Arsenal bias coming through. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, scoring six, uh, assisting one in seven games. Oh well, he's, oh, well, it's not. It's eight games now with six and two assists in eight. So he's he's yeah. he's he's every single game he's inflicted some sort of goal. Uh, well, he's got a goal for the uh, you know in some sort of capacity for the Arsenal. I'm going to be yeah. What's that next season's season exactly? What next season is going to be uh, in store for him? So we've got the Player of the Year shortlist here, um, and we'll decide um, and we'll make a decision on who we think will make it. Uh, the only real surprise on there for me is uh, obviously Mr. Leroy Sané. So we've got Kevin De Bruyne, David Haya, Harry Kane, Mohamed Salah, uh, Leroy Sané, and uh, Mr. David Silva. Who do you think will be taking away the Player of the Year? And let's hope it's not Harry Kane, because they will put it into Spurs' trophy cabinet alongside possibly with the Golden Boot. Um, what? Who do you think will be the Player of the Year out of those names? Well, I reckon it's going to be Mohamed Salah, another player that Chelsea got rid of. He's gone away to Roma, he's come back, and he's just blown away. He has. This year. Very and true. Kevin De Bruyne, he's another one that Chelsea, he's probably, probably a second choice for me. He's had an absolutely amazing season. The style of play that he has, suiting to Man City, just the way he sets up goals and just plays in like, simple passes to him, but to me or you would be like we wouldn't even think to play the passes that he plays this season sure so De Bruyne's got a good second but I can see Salah just coming away with it because he's just blew the Premier League away this year no you're damn right there you're damn right there we've got some amazing uh, stats here and some information on how and where we believe that Man City started to walk away with the Premier League. As I said, that we will be releasing this uh, on the website, but I believe that this information, we will um, have a, a, a big old open section on next week's podcast because I feel um, that... It's it's a real it good in depth. Discussion. It's a lengthy it's a lengthy discussion, and I believe um, that we can go into real depth about how they possibly did it um, from possession played football to transfers, regardless of whether they are you know a bit scary financially, um, and basically discussing how Pep won the league. Um, so yeah, we've got lots of information there that we can discuss. So what we'll do is we'll jump straight into the uh, the questions that we've got from you guys. Thank you once again for all of your questions. It is appreciated. Um, and uh, the first one, uh, Craig on Discord said, 
Um, but once again, if you want to join the Discord community, the Discord community link is down below. It's the Dryland Discord. If you want any of the information, you can follow me at Just Deacon on Twitter, and you'll be able to find another link there with a perma link to the Discord if you want to join it and just, just rant about football. Um, who do you think will win the World Cup? Hmm, okay. Ryan, who do you think will win the World Cup? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck a random one in there, Belgium. See, Maybe it's their time. Maybe it's them like, Maybe it is their time. Like I was rooting for them in the European Championships, but it wasn't to be, so maybe this is their time. Um but I don't like to be uh samey, so I'm gonna go for a uh, stab in the dark. Um, maybe we could see Spain coming out of it again. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because uh, I don't know Spain that they've done like they've adapted the same policy that Germany did in the last World Cup when they've started bringing through players maybe under twenty ones. So if that policy works, then maybe we could see them coming out again. Maybe, 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 but I. I you feel. Well, it's the personnel. It's the personnel for Spain. I I don't know if they've got the players at the moment. The personnel for Belgium is um, quite terrifying. Yeah, sure. All right. Next question then. Will on Facebook. How did Pep get the team working so well after two years? And Manchester United are struggling. Um, obviously, they've been in a, a transition now since Alex Ferguson had le has left the club. Um, when did Alex Ferguson leave? I can't remember the date of when that actually happened. We've had uh, three managers since, so it's got to be. Who have you? You had David. You've had David Moyes, Jose, uh, Jose Mourinho, Ryan Giggs, and, uh, Van, and Van Hal. Well, Ryan Giggs is like a caretaker, and then Van Hal. So okay, so that's four. Giggs four. Oh yeah, for completely, I completely forgot about Van Hal. Completely forgot about him. Um, so yeah, how did, how did Pep get the team working so well after two years? Let's go into that. Let's dissect that question first. Well, it's a topic that we'll go into like big detail next week. But in my opinion, it's smart transfers over the course of two seasons. Like he had a team last year and Gary Neville did a, a great breakdown on uh, Soccer Saturday or Super Sunday recently and he had a team that a lot of players were like 31, 32 and he realised that they could not play his style of play of that pass and pass and move, pass and move, pass, pass, pass averaging above 60% possession he didn't have the players available to do that and he's gone out Granted, he spent a lot of money, but he's brought very well, and he's built a team that is terrifying once they get going. So, in my opinion, it's pep managerial skills, pulling power, and just amazing transfers to turn a team yeah. around. That last season finished third, which is not to be. No, no, not front. No, no, no. But it's this season they've just blown the Premier League away. They have. With the, some great transfers and some a style of play that a lot of people said when Pep joined Man City that will not work in the Premier League. Pep has gone with this same philosophy and he's proved that it does work. It just takes a little bit of time and he's done it in two years. So, kudos to him. 
No, definitely, definitely. Second question, the second part of the question then is why uh, are Manchester United struggling? I mean, I'd, uh, you'd have to say it's Jose Mourinho's style of play, but then he's proved that that can also work. Like he did it with Porto, he won the league with Chelsea, he won the La Liga with Real Madrid, he won the Champions League with Real Madrid. Maybe it's just that he needs a little bit more time this transitional period that everybody keeps saying, which annoys the hell out of me. Maybe he just needs to get the players that he likes. And maybe we need to trust him a bit more. I don't know why they're struggling. Like Louis Van Gaal, I don't know what he did to the club. David Moyes, well, I don't think he knew what what he was doing. I'd like to see a, a person like Giggs taking over. and I will bide my time for Man United to come back as good as they were years ago in the future. No, definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, Luke on Discord here. Who do you think will get relegated? Uh, West Brom. Obviously, like... <laughs> West Brom doing the business against Manchester United, getting a 1-0 win um, at Old Trafford. They've done it at Old Trafford, um, considering they're pretty much, like, relegated now. Um, I haven't, for the life of me, had a look at the Premier League table in quite well, a is, few... Uh, I've, I've just got it here. So, West Brom... Okay. Bottom ...with 24. Yep. Stoke City just above them with 28. So okay. You say West Brom have gone, because that's a four-point gap, just to take over Stoke. And then Southampton, just above them in 18th on 29. But then you've got Swansea sitting above them quite nicely on 33 points. So there's still four points for Southampton to catch up on. And how many points for Stoke? Is it five points? Stoke, yes. And Stoke have got one game in hand. Oh, who have Stoke got? I'd love to know who Stoke have got. Uh, it's pretty much guaranteed now that West Brom are going to be going down. It's going to be very weird uh, if Southampton do go down. But I do, I've do. i heard uh, from quite a lot of people that they, they want Southampton to go down. And I, I'm... I was having a discussion with somebody in. Uh, I was doing a. I was doing a job and I was having a discussion about football and somebody was talking about Southampton and I've said, like, name me apart from Ryan Bertrand, name me another couple of players that you believe that shouldn't be in the Southampton side that are going to get relegated. I.e., if they do get relegated and they, you know, if, if some of the other clubs that stay in the Premier League pick apart a few of their players and take them back into the Premier League, who else is there? Exactly. So this is what I'm saying. It's a good. It's but it's like been a mediocre squad for quite a number of years now. They were kind of. They never really progressed. You know what I mean? They've never really progressed. They've had some real issues with management. There's a lot of apparently frayed wires behind the scenes. Their squad isn't really up to scratch anymore to survive the Premier League. You know, some of the players that they've put faith in for so many years have never really turned out to be the players that they'd hoped, i.e. James Ward-Prowse. He's not a young man anymore. He should have really done better. Um, he kind of reminds me of a Jack Wilshere where he kind of really hasn't really done what everybody thought he could do. It'll, it'll be like a, a Lingard situation where he'll... I mean, they go down, let's be honest, someone like James Ward-Prowse will most likely be on the move. <laughs> And he'll have some good games for whichever team he goes to and immediately be like, incredible, this wonder kid's back again and he'll be 23, 24 years old. How, wait, hold, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. How old is James Ward-Prowse? He is, I'm sure he's like, just not that young. Oh yeah, he's 23. He's 23. 
Um, he's, he's not a wonder kid now, so... No, this is what I'm saying. Fraser Forster might make a move, but he's kind of come off the boil recently. Yeah. Uh, but for me, Ryan Bertrand is probably the only real player that doesn't really deserve to be in the team uh, that's probably going to get relegated at this point. Uh, oh, funny enough, he's got the same exact birthday and same he's the exact same age and he's on the same exact birthday as my sister. That's really weird. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty much going to be West Brom, isn't it? Um, I'm hoping Stoke. Be, I'm hoping Stoke. And maybe... It's going to be the fight for the 18th place, isn't it? I'm hoping it's going to be Stoke and West Brom as a guarantee. Um, it's, always, it's always exciting towards the end of the season. Ex exactly. Exactly. We know we know who's won the league. We just don't know who's going, down. who's going to be going down. Um, Wolves obviously have won the championship. They're going to be coming back up. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, I was looking at Ruben Neves. He scored six goals for Wolves, and they've all been like screamers. Um, oh, obviously, Ruben Neves. We all know who Ruben Neves is uh, from Porto. Uh, the guy is a beast, an FM beast. He's an FM wonder kid and has been for many, many years. So when he made the move to Wolves, everybody started to do Wolves uh, online saves and, 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 you know, offline saves or whatever. And a lot of players moved to Wolves like they were shot. Like they had um, Ivan, Ivan Calerio came from Monaco. Yeah. He was a fairly good player on FM. Uh, they brought a lot of Portuguese players. That Yot Is it Yotta? How do you say his name? From Porto. They got him in. And there's players that you don't expect to go to the championship, and they they spent a fair amount of money, but they haven't spent the most in the championship. So you get a lot of these fans, and I was one of them when they won the league. Go, well, they've bought the league, but then when you actually go look at their transfers, yeah, they're not they're not first, no, they're second, they're not third, they're midway. So they've bought smartly. But then there's all these rumours of, um, I can't remember the agent that is linked to a lot of the Portuguese players. Apparently he has links with the manager of Wolves. It's kind of offer like, oh, this player's available and uh, we have a good friendship. Let's uh, make sure they come to this club. Which right. is smart. And yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. Bring them in. No, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, we've also got Ray on Discord here. Uh, what team should we be looking at for next season i.e. anyone showing building on something I, I'm guessing what he means is any teams that have done pretty well this season that they can maybe go on and do some really great stuff next season what, you, what, na what names come to mind Burnley Burnley but, but they're not a they're not an extremely exciting team don't get me wrong sure but they have the players that they just fall under the radar and they don't get the recognition got young Ben Mee, who I'd hope to see in an England cap in the future. Tarkovsky, who's there. And yep, obviously uh, we've discussed him before. Uh, Scott Arfield, and some very, very good players, and I'm sure Sean Dyche has won Manager of the Months this season, so... Yeah, he's won a few of them. He's obviously, he's obviously got something going on, and if he can keep going on, they're not going to be Premier League champions next season unless something... Remarkable happens. You never well, know. Maybe a Leicester. Another Leicester. Leicester part two. Could sure. You never know. But they're, they're always a team that they get shoved under the radar. But they are a team that can throw a few surprises against the big teams. Maybe. So, maybe. I'm going to have to... Burnley's my shout to look out for. All right. Let me have a... Let me have a... Just give me a, just two seconds then. Um, 
who do I think that's going to make something of themselves for next season? Um, Leicester have done pretty well this season, um, finishing in. Well, they're going to be hopefully finishing in eighth or or, or something higher than that. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like they're, they're you know they're only they're only nine points behind. So you know we'll have to see what happens there. Um, I have a feeling that West Ham might turn themselves around for next season and they might start to contend with a little bit of football. I think Arnautovic has, uh, has really shown what he can do uh, playing as a, uh, a guy up top as opposed to a guy on the wing. Um, so I think maybe a cheeky little West Ham um, could do it. Or even, uh, do you know what? Um, Everton, they made some signings in the summer. They made some signings in the summer. They spent a bit of money. It's taken a season to sort of collect everybody together. They have, they're, you know, they're ninth place. They're not, you know, they've had a run of, you know, run of bad games here and there. But overall, they've not done too badly. Uh, let's have it. They've only lost three games more than Arsenal. When you think about it and take that all into consideration, that's not uh, an, un, an un, you know, an ungodly amount of games lost. No, no, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I'm. Do you know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna retract my West Ham statement. I'm gonna go for Everton purely because of all the signings that they made in the summer. I think maybe that they'll come good, like a Michael Keane and uh, and stuff like that. And we'll see what happens. A Theo Walcott maybe coming, striving into his own and doing the business. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna chuck an Everton in there. I think that they might start competing again for some top six action. Uh, and the last question: What do you? Uh, who do you think? Sorry, will spend more in the summer? Manchester United or City? And that was James on Discord. Both. Both, they're just known to spend, but I can see... I can't see City spending a lot next season. I think Pep's built a team now that he's fairly happy with. Maybe he'll go out and buy a few, like, 20-ish year olds, and you probably see 40, 50, 60 million, because that seems to be the standard fee for a fairly good player now. Yeah, I know. Man United, I can see... Well, if they want to build a, a team to take on Man City, you're going to have to spend a lot of money. But there are rumours that City could go in for Mbappe because PSG... Oh, yeah. P PSG are rumoured to not have the funds to uh, afford their transfer because of the uh, financial fair play. So yep. If Mbappe goes to City, that's um, terrifying because he is, he is a very good player. And what he will do in the Premier League, who knows? It will just be one of those we-have-to-wait-and-see moments. But it's going to be 160-odd million pounds if that's going to be his release clause. So I'll tell you what, I would as much as, obviously, I, as an opposing fan, I'd, to see someone like uh, Kylian Mbappe making the move to the Premier League, i tell you what, be very interesting to see a lot of speculation with PSG at the moment obviously the the rough and tumbles between Cavani and Neymar and apparently Neymar obviously you know in and out of injuries at the moment uh behind the scenes apparently he's very much disliked um his attitude is very poor um so maybe we could see him on the move to maybe maybe very big transfer that would be huge maybe we'll see another record-breaking transfer window it I'm wouldn't sure shock it me it wouldn't shock me it was uh a last summer it was a yeah breaking january so we'll see it all again transfer i think i think i think it's just going to be onwards and upwards now isn't it for for transfers and stuff like that mm -hmm. i think it so, will 
But I can see Man United spending more if they want to be on par with City. Well, they need to, don't they? They need to spend more. And, and Jose Mourinho knows that, and the board. They all know it. They all know that they need to be spending a lot more. They're, they're willing and able, so it's not my money. So Sure, no, no, sure. As you, spend, spend as you will. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So, we're going to end the podcast here. Um, we're going to check out our social handles, but once again, thank you very much for your questions. If you do have any questions, please don't hesitate to hit it up uh, on social media with what question you would like to ask us. Um, we'll answer, answer any football-related Premier League questions. Um, so, social media handles. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at JustEacon. So if you want to follow me on Instagram and, and check out you know, pictures of either food or pubs, that's what the missus said the other day. She went, your your Instagram is pretty much just pubs or food. And I'm like... And you in, and you in sunglasses. Like, and me in sunglasses, like, of. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to see those glorious photos, then hit me up with a follow on Instagram. Uh, you can obviously follow the uh, and join the Discord community, the, uh, the Dryland Discord. The links are down below, so you can do that as well. Please, as well, consider coming back if you are listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, coming to the YouTube channel on Deacon Entertainment's YouTube channel and hitting us up with a subscribe and a like. Um, all would be uh, super appreciated, and you'll obviously be notified as to when we go live as well via Discord and YouTube. And you can obviously follow Ryan at the FM underscore teacher. Didn't mess it up, just saying. Uh, and uh, you can uh, check out all of the information, i.e. with our blogs, whether it be... Oh, uh, Ryan, you didn't do your blog. No, I didn't, but we will... Have we got time? No, we've got time. We've got time. We'll, we'll, we'll do your blog. We'll, we'll end it with your blog and with some with some just calming words of your blog, and that's well, how we'll end it. So if you want to check out uh, Ryan's blog, my blogs, uh, you'll be able to check those out on the website and also any of the notes that we actually use in the podcast onto the website as well, which is www. Shocking, right? I know. Uh, .thefmteacher.com so you can check those out. And there's also links uh, in the website as well for my, my Twitch and also my Discord, so you can find those there. You can also follow the uh, the official, I like that word, the official podcast Twitter at opposite at underscore attack, opposite underscore attack, or is it opposite attack? Have you missed that, Ness? Yes, because Twitter was nice and didn't let me put in. Oh, that is scummery. So, so I had to change it to Oh, opposite attack on Facebook, and obviously you've got us on SoundCloud and iTunes as well. If you have uh, check us up some love, that would be awesome. So we'll end the podcast here, but uh, before we do, we're going to be going to Ryan very quickly to be talking about his brand new blog, the coaching life of Ryan. So, latest blog is about my uh, time going to university. Uh, so, I'll, uh, I'll read this one word for word because it's actually not that long. I like it. So, I mentioned in the previous blog that my ambition to work with children in some capacity started during school when I wanted to understand how teachers were able to get me and other pupils to learn. It was clear for me from a very early stage that pupils learn in different ways. So, it's fascinating to me how teachers could teach the same objective to a variety of pupils. During my A-levels I applied to university. My initial aim was to start an undergraduate programme which most people go to but unfortunately I missed out on that by not earning enough UCAS points. 
That did not stop me though from getting to university as I had a backup plan to complete a higher national diploma which I was accepted onto and I started that course in 2011. Time has flown. Of course I was able to study modules that enabled me to delve deeper into the science behind sports coaching which when people mention science and coaching a lot of people get very twitchy but let's not forget university is an academic setting so for simplicity just ignore that science is mentioned here it's a mere addition to the craft that aids coaching to this day i still have my assessments available ready to read and i remember my very first grade i received on the course fra coaching report what do you think i got deacon in my very very first grade it's a letter uh a, a, a b down it was close close to a b it was an a minus oh i'm so close i was pretty much there i was only one letter away the feedback i got was a very good level analysis the fundamentals of sport for the three categories you have utilized a good range of sources like people know that go to university have to learn how to reference you've also demonstrated and evaluated your performance for these sports to an excellent level You've taken relevant assumptions and given several valid reasons, outlined significant justifications, all supported with excellent research, and your ability to structure and write for academic purposes is also to a good standard. Adapting to writing to academic purposes, very, very difficult when you go from A-levels. That grade alone gave me the confidence and the ability to write at an academic level. However, there is a massive difference Oh, oh. Being an ash. In all honesty, this course was not aimed at making me a better coach, but a better person at understanding and how coaching works and how to break it down. It taught me to be a better coach, but understanding how to work with children. And I took on a lot of experience from the past, from when I was upset and when previous coaches upset me, what did I do? So when now I'm a coach, I use those experiences and use the things that I learned at university. And my biggest aim is just to get children enjoying what they're doing. And for me, just to use what I've learned at university to help what I do in coaching. I like it. Yeah. I like it, man. I like it. It's a great way to, uh, to end this week's podcast. We will be back next week to, uh, as I said, to go into more depth in regards to how Pep Guardiola won the Premier League, how he did it via transfers and tactics, and his mentality as a top-class manager. But that is all for us today here at Opposites Attack. Ryan, I will see you later. Yes. Yeah. Everyone, remember to follow us on the social media. Make sure you follow us on the socials. Anyway, we will be back next week. We love you and good night.